Awesome. Well, it's my privilege uh, to get to share the word with you this morning on this Resurrection Sunday. Um, what an incredible week, I just want to say, that we've had this week at our Easter Kids Club. I mean, um, I don't know if Annie's here, but Annie Keeping did an incredible job organizing and uh, creating such an incredible week for the kids of the community. And it was my privilege um, to be able to serve on those Monday to Wednesday. Um, me and Elliot had good fun. Elliot got an egg and a load of vinegar thrown at him accidentally. Um, I also dropped a table on my foot. That really hurt. And, uh, but other than that, it was brilliant. And it was, a, it was a great time of just blessing the community and being a part of that. Um, and today is my privilege, as I said, to share on this Resurrection Sunday. And I feel God's put something on my heart specifically to, to share with you um, regarding the resurrection power of Christ. And for some of you, you'll know my story. Many of you in this house who have been coming to church for many years here will know the story and where I've come from. But I felt the Lord lead me to share it again today. So if it's okay, I want to talk about where I've come from and my story and what the power of the resurrection can do with just an everyday person. Is everyone okay with that? Yeah. Awesome. So for me, um, I grew up um, in Lee Park. Yeah, Lee Park. Yeah, no, not many people go, ooh, they go, ooh. Um, <laughs> There's usually the response, stay away from him. No, nope. um, and, 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 and my life growing up wasn't a Christian life. Um, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian household, didn't have any kind of form of knowing Christianity, um, including Easter. Easter for me was collect as many Easter eggs as you possibly can and store them under your bed so you got a load of snacks. That's what Easter was for me as a kid. It had no relevance to Jesus. I didn't even understand um, what Easter was regarding Jesus. I just knew it was a time of Easter eggs, and I was excited about that because I liked chocolate. Um, still do. Um, but now there's a greater revelation, amen, of what Easter is. But for me, growing up, um, my household, I always liken it, liken it to a bit like EastEnders. Many of you, if you've watched EastEnders, you know it's very drama. From one, one moment to the next, it's constant chaos. Well, that was what my life was like, constant chaos. It was unfortunate. I laugh about it now, but it's probably not really laughable. When I used to go to bed at night, as a young child, you're talking like five, six years old, I would just have the most incredible loud noises in my head of just screaming and shouting, because I grew up in a household where there was just constant shouting, constant fighting. There was never um, a day which didn't go by without this kind of like, kind of just eggshells, treading on eggshells. You never knew where you stood, especially with my father, my dad. I never knew really where I stood with him. And so you couldn't approach him. One day you'd approach him and you think, oh, he's happy today. Oh, and then in a split second, he might just switch. And it's like, oh, dear, I can't be near him. And it's, uh, it was a horrible environment to live in. And so growing up, I was always very insecure, very unsure about who I was, but also very frightened. You can imagine as a child, or maybe some of you can relate, when you're around that as an, an environment, you, you just don't feel safe, you don't feel um, secure, and you certainly don't feel kind of protected. Um, and, you know, I watched some horrible things, you know, with my mum, um, and the way my dad treated her was horrible. It wasn't nice for any child. I remember sitting there screaming and crying because of the things that I witnessed as a child. And I had no hope, you know. I didn't know any, any way of reaching out or any kind of form. I just shut up inside of myself and shut it all in. And for those of you who know, when you do that, it's quite a dangerous thing to do because you can't shut it in forever. Eventually, that kind of stuff will come out. Um, and so anyway, I kind of became a quiet kind of insecure child that lived behind the shadow of my mum really I just stood any kind of think that involved going to people's houses I just hid behind my mum I was a very very shy insecure child 
And then, so that was me growing up, and, and life was kind of, maybe from the outside, people might have thought it's okay, but it wasn't. I was broken, and, and we hid a lot of stuff, and I was told to hide a lot of stuff, and don't tell them this has happened, don't tell them this. And so as a child, all of this is on my mind all the time, try and hide what's actually going on, what's actually real in my life, and, and just try and make it like a facade of what the reality is. But by the time I became a teenager, we had moved a few times, and I was now living in Chichester, and that's a bit more, ooh, not, ooh, yeah, that's it. So Chichester's a bit more like that. Lee Park's a bit like, oh. Now I'm just joking. I, I, I'm from Lee Park. I love Lee Park. Um, but Chichester, yeah, and so we were living there. And so, again, from the outside, life looked okay, but it really wasn't. Behind the scenes of my life, it was broken. There was still all the anger. There was still all the fighting. There was still all the uh, almost abuse that I was facing on a daily basis. And then by this time, my brother was now turning on me. And, and I love my brother to bits. I only say this as a testimony. I'm not speaking, but I love my brother to bits, praise God. But he was hurting. And so that hurt was coming at me as well. So then there's this, I was a child taking kind of all this stuff from every side and way. And life just crashed for me. I couldn't handle it anymore. By the time I was in high school, um, I'd, I'd lost the care for life. I'd lost the care for wanting to do anything good. I, I struggled with any kind of form of education. Um, you can imagine with all this going on in life, the last thing you're going to do is get me to sit in a classroom and be still. I was chaotic to say the least. Um, and so what had happened when I was about 13, 14 years old, slowly going off the ropes, mum and dad had split up, which was great because I had peace in the house, thank God for that, and I, I felt like there was no, but my life was slowly but slowly drifting away from me. And I was introduced at around about the age of 14 to, to drink, um, to smoking cigarettes, that kind of stuff. And, and me being me, and some of you will laugh because you'll know me, I'm a bit of an all-in person. When you get me on board with something, I'm on board with it, and um, I'll be your greatest um, runner with it, and I'll run with it with all my heart. This wasn't so good because it was alcohol and drink and stuff, so I still had that passion to run with it. So by the time I was 14, I had been introduced to this stuff. I, it, it created something in me that was amazing. I was like, I can drink this and feel free in my mind. I can feel happy. I can talk to people. I can be the life of a party. I can... But the problem is with this, when I didn't have this stuff inside of me, I was a mess still. The same thoughts kept creeping in. The same voices kept coming up. And it was only when I was drinking and doing this stuff that I felt I was free. I felt like I had a bit of a life. I felt like I could enjoy myself. At 14 years old, this is not normal. This wasn't normal. But I didn't care. I was just going for it. I didn't, I didn't really care. Education was out the window. By the time, as I said, 14, 15, doing this, about 10 months later, I was already taking Class A drugs. And my life was slowly drifting away from me. So um, here was this child introduced to alcohol. By 10 months later, I was taking pills, speed, any kind of form of drug. I was on it because I was just all in for it. I didn't care. And, and my friends even, I was escalating well above probably what they thought my life would go. And by the time I'd left school, I'd left before they told me to. I had to because they just didn't. I was chaotic. I was a bit, a bit out of control in school. And so that I was asked to leave. But my life was slipping away from me. And every think that I was trying to, to, to do to get comfort and, and those things was actually destroying who I was. You know, you can't live drinking alcohol. It's going to create a problem in your life. And so by the time I was 16, leaving school with no real education, I was lost, to say the least. Absolutely lost. I didn't know what to do with my life. And I tried various things, but the drink was a problem. And leaving school, knowing you drinking, smoking cannabis every day, this kind of stuff. And, and even drinking. I went to school drunk. Can you imagine that? What a silly thing that is. I went to school even drunk sometimes, just, just for the fun of it, and, uh, even though it's not fun. And again, my life was just slipping away. But 
All of this was going on whilst trying to maintain a normal kind of life, trying to get on, trying to get a job and things like this. But things just escalated worse. And I became aggressive. I became violent. I became a thief. I started robbing, started thieving. Um, I lost friends because of the way I was. Um, my good friends that I'd known when I was young, I, I turned on them because of my unstable mind and unstable ways. And my life was slipping away from me. And then I started carrying a knife. Why, I don't know, just felt the need to, to feel like carrying a knife. I ended up pulling the knife out on someone and putting it, digging it into their throat and threatening them. Got arrested for that, as you would imagine, you should. And I ended up at the police station. And, and, and this was like now a continual thing in my life. I didn't know from one day to the next what I was going to do. I was so unstable in all my ways. It was just ridiculous. I, I would look in the mirror of my life, literally, and, and just think what am I going to do today? I was so frightened of who I'd become, but I couldn't control it. I had almost started losing my mind to the point where, obviously, I was taking a lot of drugs. Speed was a big problem for me. I was, we, me and my friend would just take speed all the time, and just we were just losing our minds. He ended up getting locked into a mental institute um, in Chichester, and I watched his life deteriorate, and I was thinking, oh, my days, what is going on? You know, I'm now probably like 17, 18 years old, not got any real prospect for my life, struggling, just looking for that next fix, looking for the fun of the weekend, looking for that next thing that's going to make me feel okay about myself. But every part of my life was being taken from me at this young age. And um, something significant happened. I, I, one day I had a really big explosive moment where I ended up running down the road with a 10-inch kitchen knife just because I was lost in my mind. I was absolutely lost. And the police came and took me away, rightly so, and I got locked up in, in the police cell. And I lost my mind in there. And just loads of bad stuff was happening in my life. I, just as it was beginning, was gone. It was going. And I was feeling so broken about who I was. And I remember waking up in that police cell thinking, what, is this, what has this become? What has my life become? And um, there was various things. I won't go into loads of detail because there's so many stories of things that where I just got it so wrong so many times. But I remember waking up and knowing that I was in trouble, thinking, I've done it big time here. And I remember having to go to court, and I was terrified, um, you know, completely sober, stood in this court with them holding up a picture of the knife that I had run down the street with, thinking, I'm in big trouble here. Like, I ain't getting away with this one. Um, and by the grace of God, not that I knew it there, they gave me a three-year conditional discharge. So I was like, thank God. I was pretty much thinking I'm going to prison. And they, even the, one of the judges, there was two of them, said that usually this would be a custodial sentence. When they said that, I thought, oh, no. But then they said, we're going to... And they gave me a three-year conditional discharge. And I was so thankful. I walked out of there. But the minute I walked out, I knew, how am I going to be good for three years? Come on. How am I... I can't be good for one week. Like, every, every other day, I was into trouble of some kind. And so this was a big problem for me that brought anxiety, worry. I couldn't be free from drink, so how could I be, be a good person? And I took um, the opportunity, as sad as it is and, and as silly as it was at the, moment, at, at the time, to try and end my life because I couldn't cope with that pressure of knowing that I'm going to get it wrong. And I actually threw myself from a window and landed headfirst on concrete slabs, and I woke up in hospital with, with all kinds of problems. I had a fractured skull... I had a lacerated lung, broken ribs, a broken shoulder, my collarbone was broken. Loads of stuff had happened. And I, and I had the revelation in that hospital bed that, why am I still alive? Why am I still alive? This is like, ridiculous. Like, I, I shouldn't be here. 
And I started thinking more on this, and I started to, to think, maybe there's a reason I'm alive. Maybe. You know, I had no godly input or any of this. I didn't even know what or who God was. But I just started thinking, maybe there's a reason I'm alive. And I, and, I, and I dwelt on this for a while. But when I left hospital, slowly but surely, I drifted back into that old way of living. I was now living on my own. I was kicked out of my house. So um, me... Crazy Sean was now living in Paulsgrove by himself, which is another area that you probably shouldn't have put me in. And um, things were going drastically wrong there. Honestly, the things that I, that I was up to, I'd be waking up like one day, one of these days, and the house was all smashed up. And I was like, what have I done? It's not even my house. Like, what is going on? And it's just constant chaos like this. I was just never good. It was just constant. I had no control in who I was, but I was desperate to feel the need to feel life or satisfaction in what life was or just this need for purpose in who I was. And I couldn't find it in anything. And I was broken. And again, life was falling away from me. And then I had a friend who I was working with. It's funny. And it's funny how he was an evangelist, even though he never went to church, because he kept telling me about his friend that went to church. And he's like, you've got to go to church. And I was thinking, that's weird, you're telling me you go to church, but you don't go to church. Um, and I'd be like, I'm not going to church, because my picture of church was this big gothic building with a man with incense, and I thought, I'm not really into all of that. Like, I, don't think I, could, I don't think I could sit in it. Like, one, I couldn't probably sit in it. I'd be all like moving over the place, and I'd probably get told off. And that was my perspective of church. It was, it was, that, it was this religious thing, and I was so desperate one day, when everything came at the age of um, 20 years old, that I called upon this guy. I'd been at AA for about a month. Things had gone terribly wrong. And I called upon this guy. And I said, can you bring me to church? And it was this church. And he said, yeah, sure. So we came on a Friday night on that church on fire. I didn't know what to expect at all. And I walked into this building, this very building, 13 and a bit years ago. And something happened that would change me forever. I walked in and I sensed something that I've never sensed in life before. This people that loved one another. There was a sense of joy, and I thought, and some of you here, you'll relate to it, because when you first walked in, it was the same. And it was like, what is this? And I was almost like not able to listen to what was being, I was just more observant of everyone, like this is an amazing place. And so I went home that Friday night, just a little bit like in awe of what had happened, and I came on the Sunday morning, a nervous wreck by myself in this very room, sat probably roughly at the back over there 13 years ago, and I said, um, I listened to the message, not that I really even remember it again, because I was too like, what is this? This is incredible. And there was that moment to give my life to the Lord. And I gave my life to the Lord, nervous, hand up, terrified. And in that moment, my life changed forever. In that moment, my life changed forever. What I didn't enter into was some religious thing. It was a relationship with the presence of the resurrected Jesus that changed me forever. Now, I walked out this room completely shocked by what happened to me because it was like, as I said yes to Jesus, there was like a blowing over me that removed this loud noise in my head. And the peace of God that came upon me in that moment, I've never experienced anything like it in my life up to that moment. The power of God changed me. I never drank a single drop of alcohol ever again. I never touched a single drug ever again. I never needed any of that stuff ever again. And it wasn't anything I'd done because I'd done the stuff at the doctors. I've tried it in my own strength. It was the power of the resurrection of Jesus that changes you forever. See, when you come into contact with him, not religion, him, he will change you forever, amen? 
My life, I wouldn't have ever dreamed of the life that I've got right now. Do you know one of my biggest fears in school was public speaking? The power of God can change all of that. The resurrection of Jesus can change any of that. Any fear, anything that's ever been put over you can be taken away and transformed, amen? See, Jesus is our satisfaction. He is everything that I need in life. You know, I'm married with three incredible children, a beautiful wife. Never dreamed of such things. I couldn't even lead myself. Now I feel that I have the pleasure of leading others and helping them grow in God. This is a boy that had mental health issues going out the door. It was unbelievable. Depression, anxiety, fear, all of these things were governing who I was. At the moment I met Jesus, those things stopped because his power blew it away. And by faith, I trusted that I do not have the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. By faith, I trusted that I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things had become new. Why? Because he rose from the dead so that I could have these things. And I claim them by faith. Amen? Amen. And now I walk in the authority God has given us, given you, given me, to know him. And I just want to share off the back of this, as I said, that this isn't for any special person. This is for all of us. To have an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. He wants you to come into contact with him so that your life will never be the same again. He wants you to encounter him on a daily basis that your life would never be the same again. And as I was thinking, you know, on Friday we had our Easter egg hunt, which was a great success again. And as I was dwelling on this over the last couple of weeks, I started thinking about Easter and the Easter egg hunt and how life often can be like a hunt, can't it? It can be like an Easter egg hunt in our own life, searching and seeking. And God just dropped that word on me in Matthew 7, 7 to 8. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks find. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What a beautiful invitation Jesus offers us. That he's asking you to knock. He's asking you to seek him. To seek him means to go in search of him. And there's a promise in Jeremiah 29, 13 that says this. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Come on, when you seek him with all your heart, his promise is that you will find him. Not religion, not going after religious ceremony and stuff like this. Seeking God for yourself, that you could hear him on a daily basis and know him for yourself. The power of the resurrection that will change you forever and your life will never be the same again. Because his love will enter your heart and you will never ever be the same again. You won't. His love is the greatest thing that we have. He went to the cross because he loved you. He never had to do that. He was happy with his Father in heaven. He came and was born and went to the cross and rose again for us. And I loved that. And he says then, if you seek me now with all your heart, you'll find me. I want to be satisfied in life. And often satisfaction we can get in life through certain things, certain circumstances. We can find satisfaction maybe in certain things we do, and of you'll may, maybe right now you're thinking of things where you've been satisfied. I think of things like customer service. It's a classic one. I've certainly had bad customer service, and you, you're left very unsatisfied with it. But there's moments when I think of life situations where you feel satisfied. You, I know, like I said, when I was speaking to my wife, Paula, I was like, remember that waiter? And it was like 11 years ago. This is how good the waiter was. He was so brilliant that I still can't forget how good he was. As a, and I'm like, 
This guy was so awesome, I left that place satisfied. Satisfied in the situation. Maybe it's a result of your sports team that sometimes you're satisfied. I'm a Man United fan, often not satisfied at the moment. Um, yeah, I'm not going to talk. It's a sore spot, that one, for me. Um, Arsenal fans probably worse, if there's an Arsenal fans out there. My wife's an Arsenal fan. Sorry, Brian. Um, but often we can be left satisfied with situations like this, satisfied with results that we have in. Maybe it's a result of an exam, result of a, of, a, of a test you've been through, and you're satisfied with the results that you've got. But the question is, are you satisfied with your life? Are you actually satisfied when you look in the mirror of your life and you can say, I'm satisfied with it? Because often we can't. Often we'll look at the picture of our life and it's somewhat like a broken jug that's got holes in it. And we're continually needing to fill it up and fill it up and fill it up. And it just feels like it's leaking. This is where I was all those years ago trying to seek whatever I can to just get a little bit of satisfaction just for it to drop out again the next day and to go back and try and seek more satisfaction um, to try and get it. And a broken vessel, as I said, it needs to be constantly filled with water in order to stay topped up. But a vessel that's whole will be filled and stay filled. This is the difference between knowing God and not knowing him. When you know him, he makes all things new. And your vessel will be made whole. And he fills you to overflowing. The Bible says, my cup overruns. But when we don't know him, it's like we're a broken vessel that's using whatever's in this world to fill some deep need of satisfaction within ourselves. And it's just three things I'm going to just quickly, briefly go through that I think in life we can try to use for satisfaction when Jesus is calling you to him. The first thing is money and materialism. Often we can look at your bank balance and one thing we have is a a source of satisfaction or security or comfort because of the amount is in there. Like it's almost like in the world, money means status and the more you've got, the greater you are. We can try again a level of satisfaction by getting as much money as possible and to have as many things as possible, but it never lasts. It will never last if that's what your goal is. There's nothing wrong with having money either. This is these three things. Actually, when you were, if you were to highlight all of them, there's nothing wrong with any of them that I'm going to mention. In fact, they're good. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to fill. He wants to fill your bank balance. He wants you to have an abundance of wealth. But he doesn't want that to be the security of your life. He just wants to bless you and bless you and bless you. But often, without God, we go to these things because we're empty in ourselves. And this is our status. This is my security. But listen what Jesus says. Pastor Stu actually mentioned this just a minute ago in Matthew 6, 19 to 20. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. God's inviting you not to store up treasures here on earth, but to store up treasures in heaven eternal treasures. He actually says in Matthew 6, 31 to 33 as well, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, with God, it's a blessing when you seek him. He'll make sure your vat is overflowing. He'll make sure that you're blessed in an abundance. But your security will never be in it. Because like anything, it could be here today and gone tomorrow. Who are we to say what could be coming tomorrow? 
Only God knows. So when our security is in these things, there's a problem. Jesus encourages us, encourages us that God knows we need these things. He wants to provide these things for us, but he doesn't want us to chase after them. They can't be the reason why we do life. Money and materialism, we need clothes, yes. It'd be weird if we didn't. It would be, we need money, yes. Life is built around that. But ultimately, the greatest thing we need is God. We need him to fill us to a place of satisfaction in this area where we don't serve money. We don't serve materialism. It's just a thing that's added to our life for us to do life. He's the reason. We'll never find the answers we're looking for when we chase after money and materialism. It will empty. You know, it's like getting something new. It lasts for a minute, doesn't it? You know, when you get that new thing, it's like you get that feeling of, oh, yeah, this is new. I like it. A week later, you're a bit bored. Oh, I need something else now to fill that. I need, I need the next thing. I need the next thing. And life can be like that. It can almost be like a drug addict. Getting that next fix, getting that next, just to fill that. Do you know what? God wants to fill that satisfaction in your life so you wake up every day not needing things, just needing him. Yeah. Amen? Needing him in every area of your life. Another area, and again, these things are some things that I'm speaking them because it's stuff that I've seen in my own life and I've witnessed in people around me growing up. Money, materialism, yeah, it may bring security in your life for a moment, but it will bring nothing like the security that God offers you in a relationship with him. Friendships and relationships are brilliant things. And they're, you know, they're amazing. We were destined and, 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 and built to have friendships and relationships. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. We're meant to walk alongside our brothers and sisters. We're meant for that. But often when I think of friendships and relationships, I think of the word acceptance. And like me, I lived my life trying to be like other people to be accepted. I lived my life trying to fit in with others just to be accepted. Whatever they spoke like, I tried speaking like. You know, when you come from Lee Park and go to Chichester, you stand out a little bit, unfortunately. My accent at first was not, I had one of those, I had a real like Pompey Strong kind of weird accent. And they they were like, who is this kid? You know what I mean? And I felt silly. But what I had to do was try and learn to be like other people. But God doesn't want you to do that. Often when we try to be like other people, we'll be left feeling empty in ourselves because we're not actually being true to who we are. And actually if we're putting all our reliance and, um, you know, just that, Life is about having friendships, relationships. As long as I've got that bunch of friends there, then I'm going to be all right. And, and, you know, and if I haven't, I'm going to be a problem. Oh, it's going to be a problem. But actually, we all want acceptance. But actually, when we put all our trust on this, there's, there's something that can go wrong with this. And that's the reality of human beings. They will let you down. Human beings, if all of our trust is in um, making sure we're being accepted by this certain people, people will turn on you. People let us down. Friends can turn their back. People can be unfaithful. And then we're left feeling rejected. We're left feeling unaccepted and then left feeling like there's something wrong with us. Why? Because we put our reliance on human beings. I remember there was a moment I used to live in a pub. When you've got a drink problem, this was not the best place to live. But my mum, unfortunately, um, was with a man that ran pubs. And so this made my stories a lot crazier but I haven't got time to go into them but there was one that I'll share and it was this moment there was these boys in the pub and I was trying to fit in with them I was trying to be like them and they were they were they had everything they had all the nice clothes they had everything and I couldn't match in with them and there was a horrible moment that I felt like I was in their little crew and then um they they invited me back somewhere and all of them turned on me 
and they wanted to beat me up, every single one of them. And I had to run for my life, and they chased me, and I had to hide. And I was like, wow, people are horrible. That is the reality, I, and I felt. And it got me thinking even more about Jesus. Jesus himself had every single...